the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Or anybody with a short, very short-acting radioisotope that uh, either has a radioactive uh, entity in the in the sugar molecule or in the oxygen molecule, uh, which are the common uh, things that you need to carry on biological functions within your cells. And then those areas that are more active than other areas are presumed to be cancers or infection. And the radiologists have ways of determining um, pretty much which is cancer and which is uh, an infectious process or inflammatory process like rheumatoid arthritis. And so along with the CAT scan, you can localize it and you can say, oh, there it is right in the liver. And you can go get it. But early detection is the key. So we, you will recommend these uh, to everybody once a year or so. If you have uh, if you have a, a cancer that uh, has been treated successfully, a solid tumor cancer, uh, then I think it's a good thing. And I've I've got uh, patients who have had breast and colon and lung cancer, and um, you know we get one within a year just to make sure there's no metastasis. And then usually if there are no metastasis, we can wait another year or two. But you never know. You know, there's it's not a perfect science. And, of course, these scans are not inexpensive. They're not that expensive, but they're about 1500 bucks. self-pay. Yeah, uh, that's not cheap, yeah. That's not cheap. So, uh, And the insurance companies will only pay if you have a really good reason to suspect there are metastases. So after we treat you for... Uh, lung cancer, even if we feel like you're cured or, or colon or breast cancer, um, I'd always recommend getting one PET CT scan just as a, a screen to make sure that we didn't miss anything. So how does, how does Medicare treat that as a? Um... It, it's 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 approved by Medicare as long as there are indications for it there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, it's a it's a standard test now. It, mm. It's in our armamentarium, and and we use it a lot. Well, I'm glad you're all right, Doc. That's the good news. That's the good news. But uh, the bad news is that I'm getting older, and so I I'm at risk, like a lot of guys my age, for prostate cancer. And uh, as you can see in the background, Ken, I've I've got uh, a cartoon of the male prostate and the the genitalia, the bladder, uh, and then the rectum is back here. And uh, then a cross section over here shows the urethra coming down from the bladder and the prostate surrounding the urethra. And uh, the seminal vesicles, as you know, uh, help produce some of the semen that men uh, ejaculate. So this is a big deal for men. This is the number one cancer, Ken. Did you know that? I did not. I assumed it was like lung cancer or something like that it's the number one cancer in men What's, and, what what do you do what are the uh, symptoms well first the the risk are age ethnic groups so the black guys have a lot more uh and the asian guys have a lot more prostate cancer and the black guys have a lot more aggressive prostate cancers and i've got a couple of a couple of black patients who um, have had 
who have been fighting metastasis for years now. Family history, we know there's a genetic factor, obesity. Um, some people think diet, but I don't, I don't know that there's anything that's shown that. So the symptoms of prostate cancer, well, uh, it, it's really uh, asymptomatic until it's out of, the, out of the barn, until it's metastatic. When it's metastatic and it's in the bones, then you start to hurt. Mm-hmm. So it has a predilection for the bones. Um, you can get it in your lungs and uh, in solid organs, but more more likely than not, where we see the metastasis initially are in the bones, and that hurts. So the best thing is to go into your doctor and get the PSA, which is a prostate-specific antigen, once a year with your blood work. And uh, if that goes up, then you need to go see the urologist. If that's normal, then uh, you know you're 99% okay. So, so nothing invasive then on that. That's good. No, it's just a blood test. But once your once your PSA is up, then uh, you know then you got to get imaging, MRI of the prostate, uh, biopsies can be taken, um, different things can be done to make the diagnosis. Biopsy is still the the major way in which we make the diagnosis because we need tissue to see uh, how aggressive the cancer is and what we can do and what we should do. Now, the treatment is, uh, in the past, it was radical prostatectomy, and then when radiation came along, we added that armamentarium to it. And if it's metastatic, we have some chemotherapy and uh, biologics that we use, but uh, the mainstay now is, and most guys opt for this, is the radiation. Of course, with the prostatectomy, you're going to have disruption of your sex life, radiation, a little less so, but uh, you can continue to have sexual function if you use the Viagra-like products. And they can also put a penile implant in you. And uh, you say, well, that all sounds pretty uh, uh, extreme. Well, you would be surprised at the wives who are not happy <laughs> if they don't have a man. And, and, uh, and when the penile implants are put in the men, I'll tell you what, it's amazing to see the wives stand. I mean, they will sleep in the hospital and stand at the bedside, making sure that that thing gets taken care of. It's the most amazing thing. And uh, so sexual health is important. It's important to all of us. Now, for the uh, severe cases of uh, uh, prostate cancer where there's very, very aggressive tumors, uh, we have gone to higher doses of radiation, and we know that using uh, 60 to 80 grays of radiation uh, total for the treatment, if we go from 60 to 80, we get we get about a 15 to 20 percent better response and longer five-year survival rates with uh, the same amount of side effects. And of course, the side effects of radiation when they when they fire that into that area is to be careful not to burn the the uh, urethra and not to burn the the uh, the rectum and these have been problems in the past but all of the technology's gotten so much better and we've talked about the gamma knife and so this is uh, an external beam radiation and it's very focused and it's image uh, image guided like with a CT scan and uh, so it's much more effective than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, we're doing a lot better job. Uh, you can still have the seeds, the radioactive seeds put in, but 
that's kind of going by the wayside as we have better and better technology and using uh, external beam radiation. And I'll show you a picture of that. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up here while I'm talking. I think I got one. Choose virtual background. There it is. Ah, looks like a machine now, yes. Yeah, let me get out of the way so you can see it. As you can see, it's got a it's got a, a radiation head on it, and uh, the technician sits behind the the uh, glass that's radio radio dense. You know, it blocks out radiation. It's got lead in it, and so he can direct that. And the beam is very very tight anyway. It's very focused, uh, you know, kind of like uh, really dialed in tight. And so there's very little scatter, and uh, you hit the prostate with that thing. And you go in for several treatments, and you get a total of 60 to 80 gray units, which is a lot. It's mm. a lot. You know, if you had total body irradiation of that, you probably wouldn't make it. But um, if you can focus it in, the prostate will be zapped. And then uh, post-radiation, you're going to have some erectile dysfunction as well. And again, you can use the phosphodiesterase type 5 inhibitors, which are Cialis and Viagra and that that group. By the way, we sell the Viagra in the office. Um, Keep that in mind of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's reasonably priced. It's a lot cheaper than the pharmacy. Now you probably can go online and get something cheaper, but uh, then you rob me of business, and I go under, and then you don't have me again. So. We can't have that happening, Don. You can't have that. So you well, gotta... I got a, I got a question for you about this. Um, what's the difference between an enlarged prostate and what we're talking about here? Are they related in any way? Um, I'm always hearing about large enlarged prostates on TV, you know, and things like that. Well, enlarged prostates are common in men as they get older. The prostate grows from the effects of testosterone. And so over the years, it gradually increases in size, and it also loses some of its uh, 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 autoregulatory uh, mechanisms, as a lot of the body does. And so with the effects of testosterone, uh, the prostate continues to enlarge. And if it gets big enough, it can obstruct the outflow of urine through the male urethra coming out of the bladder. And of course, then you have to treat that. And the treatment is, uh, there's surgical treatment. There's the Urolift, which are like staples that will pull the the prostate back up against the capsule of the prostate and open up the urethral uh, passage a little bit more. And there's also uh, TERPs, transurethral prostatic resection, where they go in with a scope and they actually burn out some of the uh, uh, some of the prostate around the urethra and open that up that way. And uh, then there's medical treatment if you're not bad enough. Uh, there's the alpha blockers like Tamsulosin, you know, Flomax. You can also use low doses of Viagra and Cialis, which uh, also help to relax the the uh, prostatic urethra and allow you to pee a little bit easier. And that's what I use. I use the, I've had two procedures, neither of which work because of my anatomy. So I've have been taking uh, uh, Viagra in half doses twice a day uh, for several years now. And that seems to keep me pretty stable. But uh, I guess at some point I'm going to have to go back in and have something else done. So th this is a big deal for guys. This is a big deal. And I think the most important thing and the takeaway lesson here is uh, don't be afraid. Go get your PSA checked. And if the doctor says, well, and they do the workup and the biopsies and says, well, you've got a cancer, uh, then take the treatment because it's really not that bad these days. The external beam radiation, there's no cutting. 
and then you you have to take medicine to block the the effects of testosterone on your body uh, because if there are tumors that have gotten tumor cells that have gotten out of the prostate and into the bone or wherever uh, they'll be stimulated by the effects of testosterone and they'll they, they will grow so you try to delay the growth of uh, uh, you assume that there's going to be some microscopic leakage in a lot of these tumors and if you can delay the growth of it you'll probably outlive uh, you'll probably outlive the tumor all so, right well it's good to know all good information yeah and I, I think it's a it's a really interesting topic and one that guys need need to know about because it's, it's not something we talk about in the locker room you know no and you know i don't know why we don't talk about it although people ask me questions but i'm a doctor you know right but uh, yeah what guys do you, don't talk about that i don't think i've ever had a conversation with anybody yeah uh, well and and i think that uh there's probably some mystery there and there's also for still for a lot of guys there's uh uh, uh some sensitivity about their genitalia and their sexual organs and the reproductive process. And I, you know, I think that we're, we're probably at a point where we can move beyond that and talk openly. I mean, we, we don't encourage kids to go out and have sex, but adults who are married uh, or in a relationship, uh, that's an important aspect of the relationship. And I have guys come in and they say, Doc, you know, I've, I've lost interest in sex and my wife's upset and she thinks I don't love her anymore and I need some Viagra. And so you give them Viagra and then it's, it's held a lot of marriages together, Ken. It's held a lot of marriages together. So that's There's also thing. kind of an admission when you start talking about this that you're getting old. Hey, you, pal, you know, you're not indestructible anymore. Dang. <laughs> but I think that's tough for a lot of guys to take. USOB. <laughs> now I'm going to feel bad and think about that all day long. I just think it's tough for some guys to accept. I know I'm getting old. I don't like to admit it. I still think I, I still feel bulletproof in some ways. Well, you know, this, I said something to my wife the other morning, like, damn, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting up and get going. And she said, well, you know, Bill, you're not going to stay young forever. <laughs> I'm like, hey, see this middle finger right here? <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Well, you don't want to tell her that either. So, No, no. She's young and beautiful. Exactly. The wives are young and beautiful forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was a nice lesson today. And by the way, they they don't get fat, Ken. They get more voluptuous. Absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's an interesting topic, and I've always enjoyed uh, uh talking about medicine, but uh, I try to stay away from it somewhat during the show. But I guess a lot of people like me to do that. They want to hear what, what, what I know and what I have to say. Who knows who you're helping right now, Doc, just by... Yeah, who knows? I mean, you, I mean I have guys out there who are afraid to talk, talk to you or any other doctor just because they think, you know, they're going to be under a knife and before you know it. So it, And it, you don't need that And anymore. you don't need that, right. So it's, No, it, we've, we've got better treatment now. So... It's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, good thing. So now we got to move on. Oh, I got a call from uh, Zeke, my son. He wanted to know my thoughts on the uh, Israeli-Hamas conflict. And so I went through the history of that, which we've done before. And uh, did you see where some of the U.N. workers for the relief fund uh, that's going to the Gaza Strip were involved in the in the terrorist attack on Israel on October 7th? Did you see that? No, I hadn't seen that yet, no. Oh yeah, really. And and several European countries are are saying they're not going to contribute to that fund 
which has been largely supported, that aspect of the United Nations, by the uh, uh, European Union group. And uh, so now the, the UN says they're going to discipline those people. Discipline them, hell, take them out and hang them. You, know? <laughs> you might want to have a trial first or something. Uh, well, <laughs> if you insist. Do we have to? I mean, <laughs> is, that, is that necessary? Ah, you know. All right, we'll give them a trial. There you go. Here's the trial. See if you can walk across these hot coals. <laughs> <laughs> if you make it across, then we'll hang you. See if you can outrun this bullet. Look, you ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what they used to do to the witches, they'd throw them in the water, and if they drowned, they were witches. Right, exactly. Or no, they floated. If they floated, they were not witches. Well, so the fat ones floated and the skinny ones sunk. <laughs> So uh, Governor Abbott and the uh, lieutenant governor, they're ramping up down there in Texas. They are having a good old time down in Texas right now. Yeah. And uh, I heard the lieutenant governor say, well, the federal government can, can come down here and cut all the ribbon wire they want because we'll just put it right back up at night. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, well, what if they come back again and cut? He says, we got way more ribbon wire than they've got wire cutters, so we're, we're not worried. But the Democrats, the left-wingers, they want – the president to basically declare martial law and nationalize the uh, the guard, the Texas National Guard, which is under the control of the governor, except in national emergencies and times of war, then the federal government can take over. The president becomes the commanding officer. But right now, our state National Guard in Texas is state National Guard. They're under the control of the governor. He's the commander in chief. Did you know that? I did. Yes, it's that way in every state. In every state, and that's in the that's actually in our constitution. And so, what Governor Abbott is saying is that under Article One, uh, one of the paragraphs talks about uh, the right of the state to defend itself against an invasion. And so, Abbott's saying this is an invasion, which I agree. I think it is. Um, it's uh, an illegal entry of uh, people who we don't know what their intentions are. Uh, and into our country, and we know that there are terrorists involved in there. We know there are criminals and thugs and child molesters. We know there, there are drug mules that are bringing across fentanyl. We know all these things, Ken. I mean, if we know all these things, why aren't we doing anything? You know what I'm saying? It's uh, just... Well, there's something going around Congress right now. They're trying to get one bill passed. I think yeah, they have sixteen billion or something for the for the border. I don't know what it is, but I don't think. Yeah, it's... that's the Senate bill. The Senate bill, okay. Yeah, and a lot of that money is for the Ukraine and for Israel. It's all tied in there together, and the Senate won't let the House see the bill. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're you know they're like, well, let us let us work it out, then we'll send it down to you. And, and, you just go ahead and vote. Don't worry about yeah, it. Trust us. Speaker, the Speaker of the House has already said it's dead on arrival. We're not passing this. We already already told you, you have to uncouple aid to Ukraine and Israel from the border. And it's such a complex bill that it really doesn't make any sense. 4,000 a day is okay, but 5,000 is not. And if there's 5,000, then you have to stop the flow of illegal immigrants for five or seven days. And, then, and so who's going to communicate with who and who's going to be counting heads? I mean, they, for the first two years of the Biden administration, they said there was not a crisis and there was not that many people coming across. Now they're saying, oh, yeah, there's millions of people coming across and it's a crisis. Of course, it's an election year yeah. and this is hot button topic. 
But listen, well, think of this too, because I noticed a change when they when he when they started when the White House started talking about being a crisis all of a sudden. But look at the, what you just said earlier. If it becomes a crisis, who controls the National Guard at that point? Because the president takes over in a national crisis. If he can, if he declares that a national crisis, is uh, is Texas really in charge of the, of the uh, National Guard down there? Now you've got the Texas Guard has to decide what's my loyalty to Texas or the U.S. So it could get really kind of ugly. Well, I mean that's what happened with the Civil War. You know, yeah, that, that was. And as you recall, James Buchanan was president when the Civil War broke out. Good Democrat. Um, <laughs> he was from Pennsylvania, but he was a state's rightist, and uh, he didn't think slavery should be upset. And so he uh, backed the bill that uh, allowed, I think it was Missouri, to come into the Union as a slave state. Or Kansas was not. I can't remember which one was which, but I think Missouri was a slave state and Kansas was not. And uh, he actually uh, backed Taney for the Supreme Court, and Taney presided over the Dred Scott case. The Dred Scott case was the case of a black man who was taken up into the free states and then brought back into the south, into the slave states by his owner. And he sued and said, you know, I was in a free free state, and so I was a free man, and, and by all rights, I should be free. And the Supreme Court said, oh, no, you're property. And so that inflamed the the abolitionists and a lot of the northerners. And uh, that was another match on the powder keg. And finally, uh, Buchanan said, out of hell with it. And he said, I'm only going to serve one term. And at the end of his term, he went back to Pennsylvania or wherever he came from and said, let it rip. Mm, and it did. Yeah, and that it did. And Abraham Lincoln inherited the mess. And he was not a Democrat. He was uh, one of the first of the Republicans. He was the first Republican president, by the way. That was a brand new party in the 1850s. Well, so, I hate to have to see the country go through something again like that because the first one killed a half a million, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it'll be five times that now. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because you, you figure there were, what, 20 million people in the North and including slaves, eight or nine million in the South. So we were, we were, what, 30, 35 million people, maybe a little bit bigger by the time of the Civil War. Um, but now we're, what, 343, I guess with all the immigrants that have come in, we're probably pushing 350 million people. And we have automatic weapons now, not single-shot rifles. And uh, yeah, and machine guns have killed more soldiers and more than any other weapon, yeah. including the artillery. So that's how you, if you want to get your enemy, get you an automatic weapon. No kidding. You can take a lot of people down before they get you. <laughs> That's better than the alternative, Doc. That's true. <laughs> Self-preservation is the first law, and that's what I, I've always told my son. I said, look, the Israelis were attacked, and they lost, what, 12, 1,300 people in an unprovoked attack by Hamas. And uh, what would you do, Ken, if somebody came into your house and beheaded your wife and raped your 12, 13-year-old daughter and then killed her and took people hostage? What would you do? Hunt them down. You would hunt them down. You would hunt and them kill them down. like a stray dog with rabies. That's right, and uh, that I mean that's 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 one of the basic laws of nature is self preservation. Everything wants to survive, whether it's a one cell organism inside a woman's womb or uh, a whole galaxy. Every galaxy is going to fight to be taken over by another galaxy. Every planet, every sun, every star is going to fight to be not be taken over by a black hole. True. And uh, 
you know, I mean, this this is this is just inherent in the Higgs boson particles that are the soup that we swim in and that we're all made up of. The universe so, wants to survive. The, uh, yeah, of course, everything wants to survive. Too bad, though, you can't. <laughs> you always got to end it like that, Doc. Thanks a lot. I was feeling really good, too. Yeah, I know, but oh, what the hell. You know what, so, then? What's my... What else is next? What else we got to talk about today? I was going to say, maybe it's too early for the uh, question. Yeah, a couple minutes. We'll do that. Yeah, let's give them a couple more minutes. Yeah. So, so you know, China's having a big problem now. They're Great. They're, they're having deflation. Um, they're they're slipping into what for them is a recession. Terrific, and uh, and people are jobs are are going away because the government clamped down on private enterprise, and so now people are taking jobs at less pay and working two jobs just to be able to make their their rent payment and their home payments, and uh, they've got a big problem. And I, you know, my friend in in Singapore, he said he said he felt sorry for his contemporaries, his. Uh, his compadres who worked for his company, I think it was British Petroleum. And uh, in, in China, he said they work seven days a week and they, they hardly ever get any time off. He said they just, they work them like dogs, but you have to, or you won't make a living. That's terrible. So, yeah, it's a, it's a sad situation. That's why we live here, Doc. Well. <laughs> That's why we got to get rid of the Democrats before we're living like the Chinese do. Well, we no, we don't want to go there. Socio fascism, socio fascism. That's what it is. And and so getting a job isn't that easy, and finding a good paying job in in China right now is even more difficult. And we're very fortunate that we have tons of jobs open, and uh, although they're not paying as well, they haven't kept up with inflation. Still, you can eat and get health care. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, opportunities that still exist in this country. And so as long as we can keep the Democrats from completely destroying our free enterprise system. And we're not and, trying uh, and we're not trying to keep everybody out of the country. We just want we just want to know who's coming in. That's just, you know, give us a name, an address, something. And we want it to be orderly. We want yeah. you to go through the process, the same process my wife went through where she had to. Uh, apply, get a work visa, come over here and get a green card. She had to wait whatever it is, five, seven years. And then she had to take her uh, her oath as a citizen. And I was there and I helped her study for it. And uh, and she was so proud. And then when all of this started, she's like, this isn't fair. You know, I had to wait five or seven years. I had to go through the whole process. And these people are just walking across the border. No, it's not fair. It's not fair to the people who stood in line and 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 went through the process legally. It's not fair of those of us who live here and have uninvited guests coming into our house, and then we're told we have to pay for them and feed them and house them. The hell we do. That's right. Exactly. So it's not – we just want an orderly version well, of immigration like we've had for the past 200 years until, you know, the last 20 or 30 or so. That's well, all. we've had – We've had surges like this in the past, uh, but uh, and this is one of the things that got got the people in New York so upset was the the massive influx of uh, the Irish during the famine in the 1850s and uh, early 1860s. But the, the federal government was smart. You know what they did is they set up a, a, a draft board right there on the dock. I didn't so, know that. Yes, they did. And so when, when, when Congratulations. They, when the Irish 
kids got off the boat, they'd say, uh, you need a job and you're now in the army. <laughs> they'd say, do we have a choice? I said, sure. You can go back to Ireland. <laughs> I didn't and know so, that. Yeah. And so uh, New York had a lot of Irish guys fighting in their, in their, uh, in their militias uh, for the North and the civil war. Well, so we're still, if you're still being politically persecuted in your country, you can still come to this country. Just do it orderly. That's all. And do it by the book. Yeah. But, you know, the Democrats aren't going to listen to this. Nobody listens to this. They're, they're like, we hate the United States, and we want to see it destroyed, and we want open borders, and we want socio-fascism. They don't know what it is, but that's what they want. So Let's take uh, a break. What do you think? Are you ready for a question? I'm ready. Give me a question. Would very you, buddy? good. Very good. Let's see here. We have two mugs, two. Count them. One, two, two. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. For the first person that can answer the following question at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. The question today is always taken from the first part of the show. In case you're wondering how we get these questions, you got to be here at the beginning to usually have the answer. And if you were listening early this morning, you know the good news is that Doc was worried about some melanoma. Tell me where on his body that melanoma was located. If you know, call now, 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. Call right now, first caller wins. It had nothing to do with the slide you had up for Facebook people at the time. So, and, You know, unfortunately, Ken, the Facebook and YouTube people, the, the, the stream is delayed a few seconds, so they don't get in on this. So we're going to have to think about maybe having a, a Facebook, YouTube uh, situation where the where we can have two winners each week oh that's interesting yeah i hadn't thought about that yeah we'll have to think about that and and i sent those uh four mugs to rob duncan dang that dude made off like a thief <laughs> no <laughs> but he once, saved me money <laughs> i think we're gonna institute a once a winner every 30 days <laughs> or something like that that might not be a bad idea yeah. but don't tell rob no, my feelings We'll just tell him, yeah, you won again. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill, and I've got Ken by my side, and we're doing a radio show. Corona Cigar, 2211 Street in Sarasota, is hosting an exclusive tasting event with Heaven Hill, Tuesday, January 30th. Get your tickets and learn more at coronacigar.com. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The Secretary General of the U.N. is calling on countries to resume funding the main agency providing aid in Gaza. Antonio Guterres' appeal today comes despite the fact that several employees of the U.N. Agency for Palestinian Refugees turned out to have taken part in the Hamas attack on Israel that ignited the war four months ago. They have already been fired. Ukraine's security service says employees from an arms firm conspired with members of the government to embezzle almost $400 million, some of it from the U.S., earmarked by mortar shells for the war with Russia. The SBU says that five people have been charged and the money has been recovered. The investigation comes as Kiev clamps down on corruption in an attempt to speed up its membership in the European Union and possibly in NATO. This is SRN News. Download the Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Talk. 
Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser. Doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. A thunderstorm in the area this morning. Otherwise, clouds will give way to some sun. Look out for some high rip currents today. High 66. Clear tonight, low 51. And then sunny tomorrow, the high 61. Clear skies for tomorrow evening, low 47. Mostly sunny on Tuesday. High Tuesday afternoon at 65. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Steve Williams for AM860, The Answer. And we're back. This is Dr. Bill. I got Ken by my side, and we're doing side two of our weekly show, which is <laughs> nothing but delightful, informative, and if I might say so myself, full of brilliant and thoughtful uh, repartee. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't get any better. No, it doesn't. This is <laughs> this is the top show in the country on Sunday morning, That, in my opinion, that is. And we're always correct. <laughs> you bet that, buddy boy. <laughs> So uh, I was thinking about the, uh, the, you know, the the energy situation, and now Biden wants to uh, stop exporting liquefied uh, natural gas to the Europeans, and uh, I don't know what what the, the actual reason is, but the ostensibly it's to protect the environment because he says that. Uh, global warming is an existential event, and as you know, existential means death. Yeah. And um, we were supposed to die in what 2011, from, from according to Al Gore, from global warming, and we made a pass in, and then it was pushed out to what 2023. Was it last year? Oh darn! 
and and now I think it's out to 2051. Oh, okay. But uh, and of course they don't talk about the uh, the tilt of the Earth on its axis or how close or far away from the sun we are and what effect that has. And I was thinking about this, Ken. Even even if you go to hydrogen, when you burn hydrogen, what you get is water. And guess what the number one greenhouse gas is? The number one greenhouse gas? Yep. Traps more heat. Clouds. Water. Water. Clouds. Yeah. Yeah. Vapor. Yeah. Vapor. That's it. So, and we're we're producing more and more water. And, uh, of course, we get water coming in on comets and all that. So the atmosphere is getting laden with water. And uh, that's good in some respects. And in other respects, it's not. So I don't know what we're going to do and what's going to happen. But here's the thing that Texas can do. If Texas really wants to, uh, uh, to tell the Northeast uh, how they feel about their open border policy, just cut off the oil and the gas. Just cut, <laughs> close, shut the pipelines down. That'll bring them to their knees in a week. Um, maybe days. Yeah. Maybe days. Yeah. Remember when that pipeline went down uh, that came from Texas and went across, where was it, Alabama or somewhere up, up north? And it it uh, it was uh, sabotaged by some hackers. Remember that? So, yeah, I, I have vague from uh, vague memory of that, yeah. But it was, uh, it was not good. It was not good. And you know what? That really affected the Northeast and a lot of the uh, cities along the uh, the Atlantic coast all the way from uh, Virginia up, as I recall. And so all you have to do is just shut the, shut the pipe off and, and, and you'll bring them to their knees and make them, uh, you know, make them understand who's in control. They're not in control. We are. And in Texas, uh, they, they, uh, they also have their own independent electrical grid. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they, they got energy. They do. Yeah. So, and, uh, the federal government can go down there and say, well, we don't want you to burn uh, propane or natural gas or whatever in your, in your, uh, uh, in your electrical plants. What are they going to do? Send federal troops down there? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would hope not, <laughs> but you never well, know. It would be really stupid. I mean, you would precipitate a civil war if you did that. I mean, you park troops on Texas border and Texas has their national guard out there. What do you call that? <laughs> That's civil war. That's Bunker Hill, yeah. That's a, it's ready ready for a shot or something. Yeah, and so uh, um, we just have got to use the resources uh, that we have in the South to stop these people from doing the things that they're doing to us, in my opinion. So vote the people who agree with you. Are there enough of them? I, Are I, they strong enough to get in? Nikki Haley's hanging on. What do you think her chances are? Not good. And she doesn't have any support in the House except for one congressman. Only one congressman is supporting her. A lot of her big campaign money is coming from Democrats. And, uh, I mean, I, I really don't know what the end game is for her. She looked pretty desperate after the New Hampshire primary when she was on Fox News. Uh, she Her voice was a little more pressured, a little higher pitched, a little faster uh, paced, and uh, but she's swearing she's going to stay in it. For what purpose? What's the end game? Well, I think she wants to get through South Carolina. I think it's going to be a humiliation. Well, then her. you get out. At that point, you get out. But if, she, if she's going to win anywhere, it's going to be there. 
votes. I mean, I, even the governor of South Carolina, who's a Republican, I know, I know, he doesn't, he don't want. It. I know, I know, I know. It's not good. It's it. no, it's not good, and and I think that it's important for people to realize when to get off the stage. You know, there there comes a time when you're no longer uh, effective in your acting career, and you've made your money, you've made your mark. Get off, go do something else. Happens to everybody, exactly. Happens to everybody. Well, except for me. I'm going to practice medicine until I can't find my way to work. Well, good, because that's uh, you're the guy I want to go to until I can't find my way, you know, to your office anymore. Then I, I won't. Then I won't mind. <laughs> I told one of my patients that he said, "Oh, don't worry, doc. We'll come pick your ass up." <laughs> <laughs> we ain't letting you go. They got Uber now. Don't worry about driving. That's right. We'll find you. <laughs> oh my. So it is an interesting world, isn't it? It, it? it never, it never fails to entertain me. It, it is. You know, really... she, Nikki might end up in the end of VP. I know he doesn't. He's, he's not good. really <laughs> in that mode right now, but it's possible. Anything's possible. I mean, there's even rumors going around that he was talking with Kennedy. And, you know, Kennedy started off running uh, as a Democrat. Right. And then he's morphed over into an independent. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the, uh, the uh, what's the other party? The, uh, not the independent party, but the. the Green party? Uh, no, the, the, the. The Whigs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ones that are, are libertarians. The libertarians. Oh, the libertarians, party. yes. He's talking with them, and I guess in behind closed doors, he's talking with Trump. But with that voice of his, I don't think that would be good on the campaign trail. Yeah. And, and you know, vice presidential candidates—they don't add much to uh, to the presidential elections. They're they're not really a factor, and that's been shown over and over and over in polling and also in elections. I mean, you look at some of the horrible, stupid people that have been elected uh, vice president, like Spiro Agnew, and still. <laughs> Nixon won by what the biggest margin since uh, George Washington. Yeah, it was it was a landslide. Yeah, it was a landslide. And, and Ken, here's the thing: how many vice presidents have gone on to be president, and how did they get there? I think that there's been like five, six, maybe seven, and I believe that four or five of them got there because the president died in office. Ah, and, good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, Tyler got in uh, because William Henry Harrison died. Uh, Johnson got in because Lincoln got killed. And uh, uh, Chester Arthur got in because Garfield was shot. And Teddy Roosevelt got in because uh, uh, McKinley was shot. And uh, Coolidge got in because, uh, uh, what's his name, died from a heart attack uh, in office. And, uh, you know, it goes on. And then Johnson got in because Kennedy got shot. I mean, you, there, there's really not a – it's not a good path. It's not a good way to get to the White House. Yeah, well, it, t- it took Nixon a long time after he uh, was a vice president to get to the, the big chair himself. And he was one of two, I think, that actually got there on his own without having to kill – I mean, have the president <laughs> die. But uh, it, it's not a good path. If you want to become president, the best way is to be, get, be a governor of a state. And we got a lot of state governors that have made it to the White House. Some and, good ones. Uh, Reagan came from, you know, governor's office. Yeah. And uh, whether you like him or not, uh, uh, so did. Uh, well, Clinton came from Carter. a governor's office. 
Jimmy so, Carter, Clinton, Jimmy Carter, yeah, Clinton, and uh, I think that uh, George Bush was a governor of Texas, wasn't he? Uh, junior, yeah, 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 and the senior was a congressman, I think, before he became vice president. He's one of the vice presidents that actually was able to get move along. He is one of the two or three that moved and along. And well deserving. He was a great president. I mean, he really knew what he was doing. He was kind of wimpy on TV, but he knew what he was doing, I think. He was the head of the CIA and other things, so he had a lot of experience. Got shot down in World War II. He did, and he got Ross Perot upset. And he didn't get yes, a second man. term. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ross Perot, I tell you, he did. He, he took it right out of his hand and gave it to, uh, who was running then? Clinton. Clinton, Clinton yeah. Yeah, he got him. Well, now, eager for economic wins, President Biden announces billions for advanced chips. So AMD and uh, the the big uh, Taiwanese chip company, and he's offering money for them to build new factories here in the States and ramp up the chip production, which, regardless of, of how you feel about him using it as a political ploy, I'm all for it. You the, know, absolutely. The more chips we make here, the better we are. And we actually are the world leader in chips. We just don't let anybody know it. Um, we in the Is Thailand. Silicon Valley still a thing? Yeah, it's still there. And you know who makes the most advanced chips, believe it or not? The United States and uh, the Netherlands and um, maybe one other European country. We are the – we make the super-duper chips. And, you know, the, the gaming chips, the Intel chips and the all that uh, – um, the uh, the really high end chips. You know how they became high end chips from gaming chips. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, and there there was a period, and there probably still is, where uh, you cannot export certain gaming chips because they're so easily turned into high tech weaponry chips. And uh, so that's an important thing that we have to consider when we make these chips is where they're going and who's who's got access to them and. Well, I'm all for building plants in this country. I don't care what they're making. Absolutely. What if they're making more American babies? <laughs> in, in the plants? Uh, <laughs> then they're not working, damn it. I, that's right. <laughs> Somebody's going to be fired. <laughs> so I, I, I told you when I was an intern, I did a month on surgery, and uh, Roy Clay was the head of surgery at the old public health hospital. He was a big wig in the military uh uh, surgery circles and he had a he had a couple of rules if you were married when you came into his residency and your wife got pregnant he'd booch out because he said if you have time to make a baby you're not spending enough time in the surgery program and he said if you come in and you're not married and you get married then you're out so he was pretty strict about about that those days are gone you couldn't get away with that anymore hell they all they oh, be sued yeah Oh, the resident, they'd be up at the uh, ACGME yelling and screaming in Congress and God knows what else. But <laughs> the, those days are over of the rough, tough, uh, hard, callous physicians. Now we've got the loving and kind crowd coming in and they're going to take care of us. So it was, it was kind of like paying your dues, wasn't it? I mean, that's what you you guys were doing back in the early days of your careers. Where'd you go, Doc? I can't hear you now. I think he'll bump the microphone or something. I must there have. There you I'm, are. Okay. I bumped the microphone button. Um, you know, I think that it's a good thing to have it be uh, somewhat difficult because you, 
if you're going to practice, well, I mean, if you're going to be outpatient and just do family medicine, you probably don't need to have the kind of stress that an internist or a surgeon or cardiologist has where you may be awakened at three in the morning and you're going to have to come out of a dead sleep and give some orders. And that might be after you've had eight beers, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so you better, you better do it over and over and over awake asleep. Uh, you better learn how to sleep too, because early on in medical school, and once you get on the wards, if you don't learn how to sit down and fall asleep or run, take a nap whenever you can, or just lay down on the floor and go to sleep, you're going to be sleep deprived and, and uh, you're not going to be able to function and you got to get up and you got to do the work. Then you have to be able to go right back to sleep. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting phenomena. And I'm sure doctors don't live as long as some other people as a group, but uh, the younger kids, I don't think they're getting a lot of that. You know, we were beat up on bad. We had, uh, we had to lie to the, uh, uh, the American College of Graduate Medical Education, when they came around, our our chief said, look, Bill, we don't have enough residents to cover the call schedule, so you're going to have to take extra call. You may be on 36 hours, which at that time was, it was supposed to be only 24. And I said, that's okay, uh, Doc, I'll do it. And he said, and when the, the committee comes around, you got to tell them that you're abiding by the rules. So we all lied. We lied for our program and for our chief. And, uh, but we got beat up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, when we were on call, uh, we would see sometimes 15 admissions, uh, in, in a night and a eight, 12 hour shift. That's a lot of sick patients coming through the ER. And of course they're largely people who were underinsured or not insured or didn't have a doctor. So they, they had underlying health problems anyway. And I remember one night, uh, one of my compadres was on, and uh, one of her medical students said, uh, Dr. Tharp, what can I do to help you? Because she was getting killed, you know, 15, 16 admissions. She said, Wu, he was a Chinese-American guy. She said, Wu, I want you to go home and get my my uh, my carbine and bring it up here. I want you to get up on top of the canopy over the ear. And she never even SOP that tries to come through the door. <laughs> During the day, she was so prim and proper, and boy, middle of the night, she she looked like hell. She smelled like hell. It's ready she, to shoot. <laughs> but that's what toughens you up and makes you learn. You learn. You learn quickly. You learn. I, I better figure this out and get it done right, or I'm going to have a hell of a lot more work to do in the morning. Well, probably 36 hours is a long time. It could lead to mistakes, I would think. Just uh, if you're not getting I- to sleep, yeah. I think that you'll make more mistakes by not having the exposure and not knowing how to get up and get moving and, uh, you know, have it right on the, on the tip of your tongue and in your fingertips and all that. It's just, uh, to me that, but that's the way I was trained. Now the younger kids may say, yeah, but everything's so specialized now. Why do I need to get up and know how to treat a myocardial, a heart attack, a myocardial infarction? Mm -hmm. We've got cardiologists to do that. And that's true. I mean, there, there, there's something to be said for that. You know what I mean? Well, well, I've always, I've always uh, admired dogs for their ability to wake up out of a deep sleep and be ready to play. You know what I mean? They just jump up and let's go. <laughs> so I guess yeah. you can train yourself to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you you jump up and you get your work done, and then you go right back to sleep like a dog does. Yeah, you get a, you get a dose of adrenaline or something, and you're going. You know. Yeah, you, you get a kick, and then you learn how to 
quickly uh, meditate your way back into a, a, you know a state of slumber and whatever yeah. so tough it, tough way to start a business you know what i mean hey that's the way we were trained and uh you you get dragged through it and i mean if that's, you're why, you're, call, that's why you're young then yeah if you're on call and you have a code you got to get up and go yeah i mean if you're you're in the house you got to go help the nurses out and and you, that that way you also learn how to take care of patients you learn medications you learn how to interact with the staff you learn how to come out of a deep sleep and and uh, do some meaningful work and there there's a lot of good lessons to be learned from that let's face it this is war we're fighting disease and there's not many professions where you have that responsibility of life and death on a daily basis maybe uh maybe uh, a field grade uh, military officer who's fighting in war, but uh, there's just not many professions where you have that kind of responsibility. You better be able to handle it or get out. <laughs> yeah, well, true. Yeah. Of course, the technology's gotten so much better, Ken. The medications, the pharmacology, everything's so much better. Even though we're having more cancers, we're having far less cancer related deaths uh, in, in our population, at least in the United States and Western Europe. And uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's because I'm practicing better medicine or we have better diagnostics and better treatment. I think it's probably a combination of those that you need to stay on top of it, just as you need to stay on top of the equipment at the radio station in order to be able to function. Do you think uh, your your patients are better served with uh, telemedicine? Tele, uh, I think that for things like uh, acute COVID infections and uh, um, chronic pain syndrome where they need refills and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that that really does help. Uh, I had a Canadian call me Saturday and yesterday and uh, the, the, uh, the answering service texted me and said so-and-so needs a, a call back that they're COVID positive and they want to know what to do. So we had a telemedicine visit and the patient didn't have to come in to see me. And uh, I could gauge from looking at them and talking to them and say, take your temperature and are you coughing? Are you congested? Any, you know, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea? No, 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 no. And so then I knew, well, we could treat you uh, with the Paxlovid and some prednisone. And and uh, it, it made it easier for him. It made it easier for me. I didn't have to sit in the office and wait for him to come up there and be seen and uh, call me back if you're not better. Come see me in the office during the week. Uh, so I think there's a lot to it, and uh, it does help. That's a positive that came out of COVID, really, isn't it? It's one of the positives, yeah. And, and several things have come out of uh, great pandemics. You know, the Black Plague changed Europe, and the flu changed the way medicine and, and public health was practiced around the world. And and so things change when you have big pandemics like this. And by the way, I am at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. I am your Dr. Bill, and you can call and schedule a, a telemedicine visit if you want. And yeah, we'll give them that number again. Yeah, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Ken, it's real easy. Take your smart cell phone and uh, give that to the girls and We'll send you a link once we get your number and your phone number in the chart. I can just paste and copy, click and send it, and there's a link to the DoxyMe. Or if you're too old and feeble to do that, I'll call you on the old regular telephone. And you can see me and I can see you. 
yeah, it's it's really simple and really I, I, I love them. When we we've done a couple couple of them already. So yeah, yeah, and it, it, and especially when you're living what half an hour away from me. Yeah, from exactly. So if it's not a major problem, if it's not an annual visit, if it's not a, you know going over a major uh, exam or test, or you, you're not having some exam or test done in the office, then it's a good thing then. Yeah, it's a good way to handle. Doc, things. we got about ten seconds left. I'm so happy. I thank you guys for being here. And Rob, I'm glad you got your four mugs, buddy. I'm Dr. <laughs> Bill. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.